So this morning I want to continue in our series on Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. We are in chapter 4, beginning at verse 13. And Paul is telling the church at Thessalonica that they are to have hope because the Lord is coming. <clears throat> it's been an interesting week, hasn't it? Can I use that word, interesting? Not really sure where to, uh, where to start. I, I, I don't ever want to use the pulpit for political discussions. It's just not the place. I, uh, I can tell you that for a lot of folks on both sides of the political spectrum, this has been a difficult week. And it looks as though it's going to turn into a difficult month at the end of a very difficult year. Can we agree on that? But there's good news. And that's what Paul is here to tell us. He, was, he, he wanted to tell the people in Thessalonica, and of course we know we can apply any letter that Paul wrote to any church back in those times. We can apply any of those lessons to our church right here in Splendora. And so these verses that I'm about to read from Paul's first letter to the church in Thessalonica apply just as dynamically, just as timely as they did when they were first penned to papyrus. And so Paul writes, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself, with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with him to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. See, it's apparent by this account in Paul's letter to this church in Thessalonica, to the people there, that they were very much as a people, like we are right here in Splendor. Very much like people today with regard 
to their wondering what happens to us when we pass from this life. Paul is concerned for the Thessalonians and he doesn't want them to grieve without hope. To grieve without hope for their loved ones who have died who were believers. So in similar fashion, Paul is writing to us here at Countryside, and he doesn't want us to grieve without hope either. He doesn't want us to grieve without hope for those whom we love who have gone on to glory. Verse 14 in this passage I just read is clear that those who have died in Christ are with him even now in heaven. Not only that, but when he returns for his church at some point yet to be determined, only God the Father knows when that time will come. When he comes back for us, all those who have, that have gone before will be with him. All those believers who we love so much that have passed on before will come with him and we will meet him and them, the Bible says, in the air. Now, I don't know. I can't tell you whether that's literal or figurative. Suffice it to say that when that glorious day happens, there will be a transformation. And we will become like him. Spiritual. Second Corinthians five verses six through eight tell us that when we die as believers in Christ, we go immediately to be with God, straight to God. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go directly to God. For you Monopoly players out there. Does anybody still play Monopoly? It's a dying art, I think. Our daughter-in-law, by the way, Freddie's wife, is like the queen of Monopoly. If, if you ever have an opportunity to play Monopoly... With Monique, do not. <laughs> Just pass on that opportunity. It's not worth your humiliation. <laughs> the point is that as a believer in Christ, the moment we pass from this material existence here on earth, we go immediately to be with God. To be absent from the body is to be with Christ. Philippians 1.23 says that when we depart from this life, we are with Christ. There's no need for sorrow. There's no need for hopelessness because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There's a tremendous amount of hope there. Why are we talking about this this morning, you might ask? Why do we need to talk about this grief with Hopelessness. Why do we need to get our, our hands around all this? Why is Paul telling us and the church at Thessalonica this information? Well, if you're taking notes, there's two reasons. And let me take a sip out of this so I can put it down. Forgive me, my throat is a little dry. The first reason Paul is telling us this is because we need to know that the key to the resurrection from the dead, the key to being with God in heaven, the key to being reunited with our loved ones is that all of it depends on where we stand, where our loved ones stand with Jesus. 
Jesus holds the keys to heaven and Jesus holds the keys to death and hell. Revelations 1.18 says, I am he that liveth and was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Jesus holds the keys. Where you stand with Jesus determines what happens after you pass from this existence. The second reason is because Paul wants us to know that Jesus is coming. Like the communion liturgy says, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again, right? The Lord is coming and we must be ready when he comes. If we want to be with God when we pass, if we want our loved ones to be with us and with God when they pass, then all of us have got to be ready. When you look at the worldview from this perspective, honestly, everything else is truly unimportant and insignificant. Our gospel lesson in Matthew this morning is Jesus telling us that when he comes again, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten young bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Now, before we get into that any deeper, Jesus is frequently giving us illustrations about the kingdom of heaven. He often says the kingdom of heaven is life. The kingdom of heaven is like this or the kingdom of heaven is like that. If you really want to know what heaven is like, just read the Gospels and take note of every time Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like. And so he says God's kingdom is like ten young virgins who took oil lamps and went to greet the bridegroom. Five were silly, the message translation says. I like that. Five of them were silly. And five were smart. The silly virgins took lamps, but no extra oil. The smart virgins took jars of oil to feed their lamps. The bridegroom didn't show up when they expected him, and they all fell asleep. In the middle of the night, someone yelled out, he's here. The bridegroom is here. Go out and greet him. And so the ten virgins got up and they got their lamps ready. And the silly virgins said to the smart ones, our lamps are going out. Lend us some of your oil. And they answered, there might not be enough to go around. Go and buy your own. And so they did. But while they were out buying oil, the bridegroom came. And when everyone who was there to greet him had gone into the wedding feast, the door was locked, and much later the other virgins, the silly ones, showed up and knocked on the door saying, Master, we're here. Let us in. And he answered, Do I know you? I don't think I know you. And so Jesus sums up, So stay alert. You have no idea when he might arrive. See, the point is that when he comes, we have to be ready. There's obviously some planning in advance that needs to take place on our part so we can be ready. Do we have everything we need? Have we thought ahead? 
What happens if he's delayed in coming? Because when he comes is not the time to decide to get our lives in order. It'll be too late then. When he comes is not the time to decide to be ready. We'll miss it if we wait until then. The time to prepare is right now. The time to get right with God is now. The time to accept Jesus as Savior is now. The time to lead our loved ones to Christ is now. The time to lead this community to Jesus is now. We dare not wait lest he come and the wedding feast begins without us and those that we love. Because the doors will be forever locked and those he does not know will be sent away. And it occurs to me as I read this scripture in Matthew, we humans have extremely limited knowledge about our future. We find ourselves planning for several different outcomes if we're not silly virgins, if we're wise virgins. Right? We, we plan on several possibilities because it's the wise thing to do. We, as humans, have extremely limited knowledge about our future, about when and how things will unfold. For example, as, as I was writing this message, the results of our nation's election were unknown to me. And guess what? They're still unknown to me. I had no way of knowing at the time that I was writing this which way things would fall by the time that I delivered this sermon to you because I had no way of knowing when or if the, res the results would have been in for this Sunday. And, and so I, because I didn't know that, I had to be ready for either possible Outcome For any potential beginning or ending of events, I had to be ready for any event regardless. Why? Well, because as a pastor of diverse groups of people, one person's good news is inevitably somebody's bad news. I can't afford not to be ready to minister, to be a pastor, to be totally prayed up, for any potential outcome. I have to be ready. Because I don't know. None of us knows. When our time for anything. Might come. And the only thing that I do know, the only thing I can take to the bank, the only thing I can hang my hat on, what other cliches can I use to get the point across? The only thing that's certain is that Jesus is coming. As surely as I'm standing here before you, Jesus is coming and his coming is good news for some and it's tragic for others. For those that do not know him, it's bad news. 
So our job as the church is to make sure that everyone that we love and care about and everyone that we get an opportunity to talk to understands and has an opportunity to choose Christ before he comes. Now, I am aware that I preach the message of Christ's coming frequently from this pulpit. That's intention. And I realize that many Sunday mornings I'm preaching to the choir. <laughs> In other words, you all know that Christ is coming. You have a relationship with Christ. And if it were, if the trumpet sounded this morning, it would be good news. I preach the message because it's an urgent message. And sometimes we forget about that little camera that's sitting in the middle of the room and there are people that are tuned in watching us that may or may not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so sometimes the message is a good reminder for us, but for other people who don't have the relationship with Christ, it's more than that. This may be the last opportunity they have to choose him. The message is urgent and the signs of the times point to his return being at any moment now. We don't know exactly when, but as Jesus says, we know the harvest is near when we see the signs of the season evident in the trees. And so this morning I say to you as plainly as I can, get ready. Get your family ready. Get your friends ready ready get this community ready because Jesus is coming and this is an event that you dare not miss if you are listening on the live stream this morning And you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is your moment. We will never be here in this moment again. And so I ask you to search your heart. And if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have never asked Jesus into your heart to be your Lord, and to be your savior, then this is your moment. Pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I admit that I am human. I admit that I am a sinner in need of a savior. I cannot do this thing called life on my own terms. And so I ask you in this moment to be the Lord of my life. Come into my heart and be my Savior. 
I believe that you were died, that you were buried, and that you were resurrected. And because I say yes to you today, I will have a share in that resurrection. And so I ask you to be Lord of my life. I ask you to save me from the wrath of a holy and just God. It's in your name that I ask. Amen. So if you've prayed that prayer, if you prayed it with a contrite heart, if you prayed it in sincerity, then now is your time to move. Get in touch with us here at this church. You can find us on the website. You can find my phone number, my email address. This is your time to move. Now, saying yes to Jesus doesn't make all your problems go away. I don't want to deceive anybody. I don't want to mislead anyone. It simply means that you have made a choice. And because of that choice, you never have to go through this life alone. You never have to face all the things the world throws at you by yourself. From this moment forward, we say you are saved. You are transformed. You are one of Christ's own forever. Your next step is to get in touch with a Bible-believing church. This one or one near you. Because now you need a community of faith. You need a church family like all these good folks here at Splendora Countryside. Because you can't be a Christian on an island. You have to be a Christian in community. You need the support of fellow Christians to lift you up when you fall. To keep you accountable to your new life in Christ. And quite frankly, you need people to fellowship with. You need people to, to share your life with. That are of the same mind and spirit as you are now. And so if you said that prayer, I welcome you into the family of God. Your next step is to get in touch with someone at a church near you and become part of that community. If you have questions, we're happy to take them. Now this family has sat here and patiently waiting to get through with me talking directly to you, but let me tell you, all of us have joined the church in the exact same way, by saying yes to Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to heaven. So this morning, remember that Jesus is coming. Those folks out there who don't know him need to know him. And Jesus Christ himself has tasked us, the church, the body of Christ, to share that message. So that when he comes, as many as possible will be saved. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.